Well, this morning I'm going to think aloud again. You know, last week I, uh, we, we looked at what, when God said, be still and know that I'm God. And that was, that was actually, uh, oh, I think some consideration for us as individuals. And, um, and I think that it's, as I said last week, it's so important that we, uh, you know, take time and ponder what it is and why it is we do things and who's, who's wooling us around, et cetera, et cetera. But today, I'm not dealing so much with the individual as much as, as with us as individuals being a part of a culture or part of a nation. And as globalists now say, we are part of a world. And as such, we take into consideration things that we're observing. That's actually uh, uh, my, I guess my MO is when I look out and I see and I listen to people, and I even think of uh, my own experiences and things and things that I encounter, I always ask the question to myself, okay, exactly what is the problem? What is the problem that either I'm going through? What's the problem uh, that our culture, that our world, nations, what, what's exactly the problem? The next thing that I will then consider is, okay, uh, <clears throat> what's, what's the cause of it? And that's where I get, or I find, that there are many, many uh, alternative, what I would call alternative positions, alternative theories as to why everything's gone wrong or why everything's gone south. But then I've learned, I've learned that the, the third question is really the best one, and that is, well, what does God have to say about these things that we are going through? And so that's what I want to talk about this morning, past remedies for the present sickness, and I'll fill that in a little bit later. I found this observed and discovered and kind of an interesting phenomena that's going on, uh, and it is, uh, has to do with um, canning. I can a lot, or I used to can a lot, and I can, I still do. But I, I have old canners, I have my grandmothers, and I have moms, and then, you know, I, but, but the problem with that is finding parts. Well, I've found a source, that I can call Presto, and they have unbelievable the kind of parts that I can find for a 50-year-old canner, you know. But as I was talking to them recently, I, I asked them, I called them, and I, I said, well, how are things going? They said, well, there's a resurgence. Uh, we, we are busy, busy, busy. And I said, really? Well, that's good. And I assumed that it was, um, you know, people like me wanting to restore things and they said, no, it's, it's newer people, it's young people that are trying to discern and trying to figure out how to can, how to grow vegetables, how to, how to be kind of self-sufficient. And we were talking on the phone, and, um, and then we kind of agreed that we've seen the same thing with uh, people wanting to learn gardening. You know, in other words... Um, People are starting to realize that, that, you know, 
past things are not that bad. Past things are actually pretty good. And more and more people, especially of, let's say, the younger generation, are starting to uh, plow that ground because they've realized that it's actually the best. In, in other words, a lot of people, I was talking to some restaurateurs, friends of mine, and they said that business uh, in restaurants is actually, while it can be busy some, uh, for a lot of them, uh, it's going down because people are just discovering it's just too expensive to go get a McDonald's. Uh, what is a Happy Meal now? Is 18 bucks or something? I don't, I don't know. Uh, but my point this morning that I'm going to be making is that past remedies are still remedies for the present sickness that we find ourselves in, both as a nation, a culture, and a world. Now, um, before any change can ever happen in a nation or in a culture, there has to be um, you know, a, a, a change of heart. And that sometimes seems to be out of our reach, but yet that doesn't, that doesn't change the remedy. There are certain medicines that are actually the only medicine that you can take that will perhaps deal with a condition that you have, but they may be so expensive that they're just out of reach and you can't, you can't get that. Certain things of our culture, of our world, of our global economy, global culture, may be out of our reach, but that still doesn't change the remedy of it. And that's what I want to just simply revisit this morning is the remedy for the present sickness that we seem to at least be observing. Uh, one, of the re one of the essayists that I read, uh, is a philosopher, he, uh, uh, Kudback, his name is Kudback, and he made an interesting statement. He said, people are not changed by just hearing a message. They are changed by going through an experience. So let me apply that uh, to where we are. Our experience is showing us, or has at least revealed to us, that on our best days as humanity, we still don't have the answers to some of the most profound and fundamental problems that we encounter. Uh, I'm amazed, for instance, I'm amazed with all of the technology that we have, that we can do uh, in, in, in cars and homes, you know, they're like smart refrigerators and you know, I, I will think they have gone too far if they make a smart refrigerator that when it's opened at one o'clock that it has a voice that says, oh no, you've had enough today, you cannot eat. I'm amazed with all of that that they can't get rid of these uh, spam messages on our phone. You know, I, I, I don't understand that. But we have experienced certain things in the last, say, few years that actually uh, qualify as our experience to the point that people are starting to reconsider how they're living and what they're doing. And that's why they're starting to look backwards instead of always forward. You see, when you look forward, the truth of it is, when you're always looking forward to the unknown, it's a gamble. If you, if you don't believe that, read the history of all of our explorers and while there was some good, there were some great, great tragedies that happened on trying to always go to the unknown, always trying to explore the unknown. Whereas the things that we do know, we can spring from, and especially if they are pragmatic or they work, well, why, why as, as the old adage says, why change something if it's not broken? 
Well, we, we are in a time where a lot of things seem to be broken um, in, in, our, in our world. Um, I read about different countries. Uh, I read of different nations and governments and leaders uh, and how that everything seems to be almost, uh, there's so much division in our world, our country, our culture, division uh, across the board. It doesn't matter. There's all kinds of division. I, I, I also read and observe my experience, and I think it's the same as yours. You've experienced that over the last few years, we have so much unrest in our civilization and in our, in our uh, you know, lands and our towns and everything, just so much rest. Uh, there seems to be always this uh, hovering of dark, what, what one writer said, dark clouds on the horizon. There always seems to be something that is very, very negative. That's our experience right now. And, and I think more and more people, and I'm actually very hopeful, more and more people are starting to realize that, hey, maybe we need to stop looking forward and look backward and see where all of this or why all of this has, has happened. My personal sense, not so much as a pastor, but just as an individual, my, my personal sense is that we are seeing a, a, a level of decay uh, that we've not seen before, at least I can't remember, and it's at several levels. I think we're seeing a decay of what I call civility, uh, you know, just being civil to each other. I think we, um, uh, you know, I think we're seeing a decay of, uh, uh, of this feeling of safety. A lot of people are now are just afraid to go down to the mall or something because there's this uh, absence of safety. Um, you know, I, I think that also I'm starting to hear and, and, and listen to people that they have this sense uh, that there is not, a, there is not a, uh, a safety in the future for them. So because of that, I'm going to posit this, and it's not original with me. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Jeremiah, but I'm going to bring up some points, and I'm going to posit this, past remedies still are good for present sicknesses. In other words, what we, well, let me read and then we can get into this. Uh, uh, and then I can, I'll, I'll pick up speed here in a little bit. Jeremiah um, observed his people, observed his culture, observed everything that happened. They were in captivity. They were, they were be, uh, moving into captivity. They had nations around them trying to swallow them up, uh, Judah and Israel. Uh, they found themselves in constant, in a constant turmoil. Uh, the interesting thing about that is that Judah and Israel were God's people, but yet God's people were not looking to God for an answer. They were looking elsewhere. So here's what Jeremiah records. As he looked across everything and he saw all the problems and he saw all the difficulties at every level, economically, they were, they were almost bankrupt, uh, religiously, they were corrupt, all kinds of things. Here's what he says, who is wise enough to understand this? Who's been instructed by the Lord and can explain it? Why has the land been ruined and laid waste like a desert that no one can cross? And the Lord said, it is because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, they have not obeyed me nor followed my law. So 
When Jeremiah asked this question, you want to know, who is wise enough to understand? Well, let's just go through a litany list of things we're trying to understand. We're trying to understand why there's so much, for instance, crime in a nation of laws. We're trying to understand why there is such an abuse of children and the innocence of children, and yet there seems to be nothing done. We're trying to understand the senseless murders and the senseless violence to ordinary citizens. We're trying to understand how it is that we can have laws but yet ignore the laws and seem to have an unjust system, which means we're trying to understand justice. We grew up thinking justice was blind, but now we're beginning to feel, at least I am, that justice is not blind. It always has one eye open for those that can pay the most. We're also looking at trying to understand why religion in America, which, by the way, a footnote, okay? America is the only nation on record that was established on the basis of faith in providence and a divine being and God. The only nation. James Madison pointed that out. We're trying to understand the dissolution and the uh, breakup of families across our nation. So the next question is, well, who can explain it? Who can explain that? Well, when we go to humanity, I find this a very, uh, again, I, I, I find uh, uncanny responses. When, you, when we ask people who are in charge, or when we ask people, or even when we look across the world and we read so-called experts, why these things are happening, there sometimes seems to be no explanation. Uh, or, I find, my personal opinion, again, uh, is, is that uh, when, you ask for, when, when we're asking for explanations of why, then, that, then the best thing, the answer we get is, well, it's someone else's fault, or we ignore it. Or, or, I find this one the most, uh, I guess, comical in a very sad way, is uh, when we ask someone to explain something, what we're finding is they're saying, well, don't believe what you're seeing, you know, that kind of thing. So who could explain it? Well, obviously, humanity's not doing a very good job. In fact, the reason that humanity's not doing a very good job in explaining why we are where we are as a world, a nation, a globe, the reason is because we're the ones who actually created it, according to God. But then when Jeremiah says, well, who has been instructed by the Lord and can explain it? That's where I want to posit that God made aware to various prophets throughout many centuries conditions, why they've happened, and how to fix it. So here's uh, to Jeremiah, for instance. You know, why is everything like it is in Jeremiah's day? Well, God's, uh, Jeremiah writes this, and he says, because people have followed the stubbornness of their hearts, they followed their own gods. Uh, people eat bitter food and drink poison water. And, and God says, because of that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to scatter them. The prophet Ezekiel was told by God for this, uh, answered this very question. Why are things like they are? And God says, because Jerusalem, my city, the capital of, of uh, you know, Judah, 
He says, I, I, I set them in the middle with all kinds of nations around them for her, for Jerusalem, to be a light to the world. My people should be a light to the world. But yet, my people have rebelled against my laws, against my decrees, more than all of the other nations in the world. So God's observation is that he can answer it. And the answer is when we ignore, when, when we ignore God as, quote, God's people, uh, or as God's nation, or as the nation that we're supposedly supposed to have been, when we ignore that, we suffer the consequences. We end up with things that we didn't, didn't uh, you know, believe in. He told the prophet Isaiah basically the same thing. He said to Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, he said, I have, I have raised children, I have brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. In other words, God is saying, I have blessed, I brought them into the world, I I sustained them, I protected them, and yet now they have rebelled. She has rebelled against my laws. She has rebelled against my decrees. Again, he says, more than all the other nations. She's not, you know, followed me. Um, they are, in fact, she is more unruly than the nations around you, and they have not kept my laws and even conformed to the standards of other nations. Now, when I read things like that in the Old Testament centuries ago, I find hmm, things have not changed. Everything continues. There's nothing new under the sun. So when we look at this, for those who have been instructed by the Lord, who can explain it? Well, the prophets are saying that God's observation is when you ignore, as a nation, God, when you ignore God, and specifically because we are supposed to be a godly nation, but when we ignore our Creator, then there are certain things that are going to follow. Uh, to the prophet Hosea, here's what he said. To Hosea, the prophet, he said, My people have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, but I don't, I don't know them. They've made gold for their idols, but it's not God. They sow the wind, now they're reaping the whirlwind. And that's what seems to come home and really bite, is that on our best days as humanity, on our best attempts, if we neglect our Creator, it's, it's exactly like that we're sowing to the wind and therefore we will reap the whirlwind. And from my standpoint, my feeling, again, I'm, I'm not saying it's biblical, I'm saying this is biblical what I'm reading, but my feeling is we're in a whirlwind of things that we can't explain on our own. Therefore, I think we should go to God and see what he has to explain or why and how he explains the cause and effect of the sickness that I find or I observe all over creation. So, let's look at now the past remedies for present sickness. Assuming that my, that my premise is right, that we're in a, a, a sickness right now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to argue with anybody about it, um, but you're not going to change my mind. I believe that we, as a country, as, as communities, as a culture, as a society, as a nation, 
as a world, there is a decaying sickness embedded in, in humanity that unless it changes, like any other disease, it will devour the host. So what does God have to say? How to fix this? What do we do? Well, one passage we're very familiar with, and I, I, I visited it again. God appeared to Solomon when he was named king. And Solomon was very, very concerned about how he would lead his people. He was very, very concerned about being a good king and being a good leader. And so he prayed to the Lord, and the scriptures say that the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said, I've heard your prayer. And then he gives an answer. He says, if I shut up heaven and there, let's say, be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So very early on, we find that God is willing to heal any kind of disease, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, emotional, but particularly whether it's national. God is also willing to heal a national sickness or a global, if you were, sickness. I don't necessarily like that phrase, but that's what uh, seems to be uh, at the forefront right now. He told Isaiah essentially the same thing. What he told Isaiah was, he says, you know, the, you know my, 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 uh, my people, my children, they're putrid, they, they have disease, they've rebelled, etc., etc. But then he says to him, he says, however, to fix this, wash and make yourselves clean. Stop doing the evil deeds in my sight. Stop doing wrong and learn to do right. Listen, learning, I mean, doing right, we learn it. Doing evil, we're natural at it. But we have to learn how to do the right seek justice. And then he tells Isaiah later on, toward the end of Isaiah's life, essentially the same thing. How do we fix the condition? How is this condition, this sickness, this decay fixed in our world, in our land, in our nation, in our culture, in my heart? How is that fixed? Let the wicked forsake their ways, he said, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to God. And I will have mercy on them. So when we think about um, where we are, there has been a lot of discussion about always moving forward with the, I think, false premise of thinking that moving forward will resolve our problems. Let me give you a good example of why that's not true. You're on the computer, and if you're like a Neanderthal like I am, though I understand um, I understand computer theory, uh, studied it and everything, but when it comes to the practical things, no, I'm a Neanderthal. So, but here's what I've learned. Stop pressing the keys. <laughs> Just stop pressing. Because the more you're pressing and the further you get into the unknown, the worse it gets. Well, why do we think it's any different in life? 
A lot of times we need to stop always looking forward and instead look backwards because past remedies in the past have actually remedied nations, cultures, societies, individuals' hearts. And if it did back then, it's just like Julie saying, it will today. God will, is able to heal and to help our land, our nation, our world. But that's what's missing, is as long as we ignore or, let's say, or oblivious to what God has to say, then we're going to have this. This is what's going to happen. Why expect anything different when God has said this is the way it's going to be? God explains why that's the case. While on one hand, we all feel like that we, and we all, we have our experts, a lot of times I'll I'll refer to someone that I hold in high esteem, whether it's in sociology, psychology, uh, you know. I'm not any of those, so I'd rather, I'd rather quote someone who knows uh, exactly what they're talking about. Philosophy, you know, I, I like it all. I like it all. However, they're just like you and I. And I've, and I've said in the past, if, if the destiny of our world or our happiness is in the hands of people just like you and I, you can imagine what kind of trouble we're in because they're no different. On the other hand, God, our Lord, our Creator, here's what He says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. And then He makes a very interesting analogy. He says, As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish so that it yields the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty. I will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The point being that if we, even as individuals, turn to God and we look to Him for the remedy for either the sickness of our nation or the world or even within ourselves, if we go to Him, His promise is, I will help you. I will take care of the issues that you are encountering. That's His promise. And He says, my word, once it goes out, will not come back void. I will accomplish what I have purposed in my heart. I think that's why Paul especially uh, wrote to the uh, Roman uh, church. They lived in a world that was uh, on one hand seemed very, very uh, stable, but yet even with all the stability of the Roman Empire and all the Caesars and everything, even with the, the so-called stability, there was still a lot of instability and a lot of confusion and a lot of puzzlement, a lot of injustice and things. But Paul was very aware how it had affected him before he became a believer. He knew the power of culture and the power of the world to affect how he thought before he came to God. And here's what he wrote. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul from his own experience, knew that his mind had been shaped by all those things during that time. Just like our minds, if we're not careful, will be shaped 
by all the things that we are encountering in our world. But Paul says, from a personal experience, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, meaning that he had learned, he had learned the secret of how to have a renewed mind and live well in the middle of an unwell world. So, we find also that he wrote, as I kind of cinched this down a little bit, he also wrote to the church at Corinth. Now, Corinth was a very interesting church in that they probably were uh, the epitome of a culture-infused church, all right? In Corinth, you had all kinds of uh, deities. It was a very... Um, it was a very um, metropolitan area, great trading center, uh, very, very multinational and everything. And the church was there trying to survive. And yet that culture had actually infused itself, embedded itself in the church. And he pointed out to the church, he said, be very, very careful. He said, because as, as a person of God, he says, you need to understand that that the natural man or natural hum humanity does not understand the things of God. It seems foolishness to them. I read something just recently that I, I wasn't really surprised. I think I was more disappointed. Uh, people will say, well, you know, when they hear that someone is um, sick or there's been a tragedy, people will say, we're going to pray for you. And I read one essay that says, well, what good does that do just to pray for somebody? And I thought, more good than what obviously you realize. Because what Paul is saying here is that the world does not understand that kind of language or that kind of thing. But we as God's people should understand that, that we have supposed to have a different mindset. And as such we should at least give way and ponder my original statement, which is past remedies still can deal with present sickness. And the present sickness, my feeling, that we are in can actually, and I believe with all my heart, only be dealt with and eradicated by God Almighty. So in reading the text, as I sent this down, who is wise enough to understand this? Well, obviously, our leaders, you, me, we don't understand it from our own vantage point. Uh, but the prophets understood, and we can understand that the reason, the reason we are where we are is because we, we've come to where we are and left God behind. And God has promised if you turn back to me, if you come back to me, if you repent or be honest, you know, repent is nothing more than own it. You, we own it. If we own who we are, what we've done, and ask God to forgive us, he said, I will heal. I will. My words are good. So Finally, at the end of this text that we're reading, Jeremiah concludes this by the words of the Lord. Who can explain it? Well, we can't. God can. But what does God say how to fix it? And here's what he says in verse 22 in closing. Thus saith the Lord, 
Don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Don't let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that wants to honor, honor this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, I exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, and in these things I delight. So for us, let's kind of work our way back uh, to the past remedies, personally, and then we might see it in our community, who knows, and then we might see it nationally, who knows, we might see it nationwide. The remedies that God offers is good across the board, but it's not the new stuff, it's the old things. Like God said, search for the old paths because it's the good way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time we can come to your house, ponder and think, and in fact, take your word and let it rest in our hearts. I pray today, Lord, that you would continue to guide us as your people. But there are times, Lord, that we not only need to be guided, but Lord, we, we need your comfort. We need that assurance in our own hearts that all things are in your hands and that your word is pure and right. I pray, Lord, for our country. I pray for our culture. I pray for our society. It seems that there is something that is sick about it, but yet you have said you can, you can take care of that and you can heal it if we just turn to you. I pray, Lord, that we would as a nation, as a culture. I pray that we would. I pray that we would go back to the old ways and look for you for our help in the days to come. And we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning. We're going to sing one hymn of this. It's an old hymn. Be Thou My Vision. In other words, what God wants us to do is not be, not have our vision on everything else, but on Him so that we can come to know Him. As we sing, what page? Hymn 83. 83. Be Thou My Vision.